Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to season two of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sabbath Sunday, September the 12th, the year of our Lord, 2021. In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from from the word of God. Ladies, have you considered the portrait of one who pleases God? Is it a portrait of you possessing the virtues of righteousness that God wants to see in you and in me, and that will allow us to abide in his tent forever? The righteousness of the New Testament is deeply rooted in the Old Testament, and the Bible teaches that righteousness is based on what God says about what makes us right in his eyes. When we come back, we're going to examine an important question. Who shall abide with God forever? Stay tuned. Welcome back to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Today, we are looking at Psalms 15, the second Psalm of the Righteous. Our scripture reading is taken from Psalms chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. And I will be reading from the King James Version of the Bible if you want to follow along with the scripture reading. Now, reading from the book of Psalms, chapter 15, beginning at verse 1, the psalmist writes, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth in his own heart and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that does these things shall never be moved. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word. Amen. Ladies, in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul contrasts for the believer new life in the spirit to life in the flesh. In verse 4, Paul says, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So Paul is not saying that we fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. Rather, the apostle specifically says that the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us. Just to clarify, not that it is fulfilled by us, but in us. In other words, simply put, Jesus, our substitute, was treated as a sinner so we could be treated 
as righteous. And the end for which God saved us was not just so that we could avoid the penalty of hell for our sin debt, but so that we could each live a righteous life. Amen. The question for many believers is, what is the righteous requirement of the law that believers should meet? What is required of us as believers? In Psalms 15, our scripture text today, we find David meditating or contemplating the same question concerning the character of persons approved of God. So let's unpack Psalms 15. David begins um, with the it begins verse one of the Psalms with a question. He asks, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? This is a figurative question that David is asking because considering David was not a priest, it would have been impossible him to actually live or establish permanent residence in the tabernacle, which at the time was a mobile tent house of God. So if we translate the word abide to sojourn, meaning a temporary stay or visit, where we receive the hospitality of a tent dwelling host, then we have a better understanding of this verse in terms of the customs of hospitality in the homes of early civilization, particularly the ancient Near East. The tabernacle and the holy hill refer to Mount Zion and the city of God or the New Jerusalem, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 23, which says, but ye are come unto Mount Sinai and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Further Revelations 14 and 1 says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. So whereas the word abide means to dwell continually, not to visit, be a guest, or spend time and worship there, the ungodly might worship in the earthly tabernacle. But David is asking God, how should I live in order to enjoy full fellowship with you forever? Understand that this question is about godly living not about justification. Although godly living and justification are related, they are not the same. If we ask how a man or a woman becomes right with God, the only answer is by faith in Jesus Christ as one's personal Lord and Savior. The Old Testament saints looked forward to the coming of the Savior, but we look back. So if we ask what is the character of the woman or man which God approves, the answer would involve moral law. However, the justified person is not made right or saved by keeping moral law because justification is by the work of Jesus Christ. So if the believer is truly justified, then he or she will begin to keep the law so as to move increasingly in the direction of Jesus Christ, because it is impossible to be justified apart from regeneration 
as regeneration means that the spirit of God is present and at work in us to bring us into conformity with the character of Jesus Christ. In verse two, speaking from the Old Testament, pers- um, the Old Testament perspective found in Leviticus twenty-six and Deuteronomy twenty-eight, which are concerned with blessing and cursing, cursing on on obedience, David provides two descriptions of the character of the person who can live in God's presence: one, they walk uprightly, and two, they work righteousness. You see, the disobedient could not expect blessings, including the blessing of God's presence. But remember that under the new covenant, if we were to ask, how can a person become right with God? The answer would be by faith in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Because under the new covenant, faith, not performance, is the basis for blessing. Moral law, as summarized in the Ten Commandments and interpreted by scripture found in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 and Leviticus 19, verse 8. And indeed, Jesus spoke of the moral law in terms of the first and second commandments found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 27 and 39. The first is, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. This is the standard to which God is leading his people because what God desires of us as believers is that we be more like his son, Jesus Christ. So David answered the question of verse one concerning the qualifications for entering heaven and verses two through five of our text today, which says, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own heart and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. If we were to compare this list of qualifications to those listed in Psalms 24 verses 3 through 4, And Isaiah chapter 33, verses 14 through 70, we would see that the list is not all inclusive. For example, Psalms 24 says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? The psalmist answers, he that that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. There is some overlap in Psalms 24 with Psalms 15, but the points are not identical. In a similar way, Isaiah 33 asks, who of us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? In this verse 15, he replies, excuse me, in verse 15, he replies, he that walketh righteously, and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hand and holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood 
and shutted his eyes from seeing evil. So although all three passages of scripture are similar, the details of each passage of scripture do vary, but they also parallel each other. And each provides a list of character traits for the believer to work on. Our scripture verses two through five covers the approved person's character, speech, conduct, values, integrity, and use of money. So let's continue with verse two, which is the approved person's character. Verse two says, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. This verse refers to a person who keeps the Ten Commandments. This person's character is morally well-rounded and grounded in the law. And such a person does not vacillate in his or her commitment to keeping the commandments. The New Testament scripture in Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 39, expresses this idea of feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, and visiting the prisoner. The point is that the upright person not only possess an upright character, but is also actively engaged in doing that which is right in the eyes of God. In James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, James, Jesus's brother, speaks about the relation of faith to works when he says, What doth it profit my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. So if your brother or sister lacks food and clothing and you say to them, well, be safe and I wish you well, but you do nothing concerning their physical needs, what good have you done? The point I'm trying to make is the same that I made earlier, which is that justification cannot be separated from regeneration and regeneration that produces true faith always expresses itself and right action. Because the conduct of the believer's life is a mirror reflection of his fellowship with God. John in 1 John chapter 1 verse 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You see, ladies, under the new covenant, the righteous walk in accordance with his or her fellowship with God, grounded in faith. Verse 3 addresses the approved person's speech and conduct. It says, he that backbiteth, not with his tongue, nor doth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. And our neighbor is not just our brothers and sisters in Christ, but any person who needs we know and are able to meet. But speaking of our brothers and sisters in Christ and the church, James Boyce said, and I quote, more damage has been done to the church by gossip, criticism, and slander than by any other single sin. 
So I say, don't do it. Bite your tongue before you criticize another Christian, end quote. How many of us Christians are guilty of this grumbling and complaining, criticizing the church and its leaders, etc.? We have become too bold and gossiping in our criticism and in our slander of each other. Can we just agree right now that we will cease and desist from grumbling and complaining, criticizing one another right now? That we will stop hurting God's church and each other? Matthew Poole wrote this, quote, pity your brethren. Let it suffice that godly ministers and Christians are loaded with reproaches by wicked men. There is no need that you should combine with them in this diabolical work, end quote. Gossiping, criticizing, and slandering the church and your brothers and sisters in Christ in the church is a diabolical work. Let us all stop doing this. The upright and righteous is known by the way they speak. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus said, Old generation of vipers, how can ye be in evil speak good things? But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. David understood something that we need to understand, and that is that righteousness is exemplified in the way we treat one another. The words of that David speaks in verse 3 of our text reveal the deeper work of Jesus Christ who commanded us to not only love our neighbors as ourselves, but in Matthew 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 44, to love our enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. It's a tall order, I know but also a commandment from Jesus Christ to every believer. Concerning the values and integrity of the upright and righteous, verse 4 says, And whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. In other words, in order... To love God, we must oppose evil. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Personally speaking, I just cannot stand being around evil people. I do not care about their position or title. I just cannot stand being around them and I cannot serve under their authority. In Proverbs 8 and 13, we see that judgments about men are made on a godly basis, not favoritism or flattery or wealth or title or anything else. But the righteous give honor where honor is due. They honor those who fear the Lord. Further, the Bible says, he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. This means that the righteous keep their promises, even when it is inconvenient and no longer advantageous to them to do so. Scripture says, even when it hurts. You see, ladies, none of us have a problem keeping our word when it is to our advantage to do so. 
But what about when circumstances change and the promise or agreement is no longer to our advantage? Do you keep your promise then? Do you fulfill the terms of your agreement or do you try to get out of it? The psalmist says that God approves of people who keep their oaths even when it hurts them to do so. In verse 5, it's concerned with the righteous life when it comes to money. It says, he that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. There are many people who are considered godly in other areas of their life, but who do not use their money to honor God or to show love and care for others. Usury is defined as the illegal practice of lending money at unreasonably high rates of interest. And the Bible condemns this practice not because the lender receives interest on the money loan, but because it allows the wealthy to take unfair advantage of the misfortunes of the poor. Likewise, the Bible condemns taking bribes as an offense against justice. Both of these practices provide a picture of obtaining money wrongly because they represent an abuse of power and the upright should not do this. If we are honest, when we examine the list of character traits for the believer, we would all admit that we all fall short of adhering to the items on the list as provided by David in Psalms 15. However, in studying this list, we, the believer, should see our own sins and seek Jesus all the more. When we examine this Psalms through the grid of the new covenant and see that by faith, the obedience of Jesus is accounted as ours and we are being transformed into his image. As a result, the fulfillment of this Psalm should mark our lives as a believer. Finally, the end of verse five of our text says, he that doeth these things, these things are those that live according to the character traits of the believer, says it shall never be moved. Ladies, the righteousness of the new covenant is deeply rooted in the Old Testament. So the, the Bible teaches that righteousness is based on what God says about what makes us right in his eyes. And the old covenant system of performance, this stability of life is a blessing from God given to the obedient. Under the new covenant, the promise of stability and security is given to those who abide in faith. Such faith being evident through a life lived in obedience. The idea behind the words, quote, shall never be moved, end quote, is that the righteous will be a guest in the tent of God forever. New Testament scripture, 1 John chapter 2, verse 17, expresses it this way. It says, and the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. 
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, we have several ways in which you can do that. First, via the Tidely app at Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. Second, at Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y dot com. You may donate to Broken Vessels hyphen Mended and Whole. Third, via PayPal at Broken Vessels Mended and Whole at gmail.com. Or you can mail whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. We are a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 34637, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Join me next week for another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. And don't forget to check in with me on Facebook Live at Evangelist Janice, that's J-A-N-I-S, Nelson. Today, at five o'clock, excuse me, not five o'clock, at 12 noon Pacific Daylight Time. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you.